Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Anastasia Zadaik. Anastasia Zadaik is an author, editor, and storyteller. Dedicated to helping writers bring their stories to the page, stage, and screen, she serves as Director of Operations for the San Diego Writers Festival and sits on the board of the literary nonprofit So Say We All. She regularly performs in narrative nonfiction showcases, and her work has appeared in the San Diego Decameron Project, WriteOrDieTribe.com, and Shaking the Tree, Brazen Short Memoir. She lives in San Diego with her husband and their empty nest rescue dog, Charlie. Her first novel, Blurred Fates, will be released in August of 2022. Let's dive into the pond and meet Anastasia. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Anastasia Zadaik. Anastasia, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to, to just sit and talk about books and writing and all, all things about writing. So it's gonna be great. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so excited you're here and I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? So I have been writing since I was a little kid. Um, I think I, I tell people I started writing in a little pink diary with a lock that you would, you know, and I would hide it. I would hide the, even though it was locked, I would hide the diary under clothes in the closet. And cause I was convinced that everyone wanted to read what I had to say about life. Um, I'm sure that no one cared, but I thought as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, that this was the most important stuff in the world. And then I moved on to writing in little cloth bound journals in high school and college. And I would jot down poetry that I found or just things that I was processing in my own life. Um, sometimes lots of angst was in these pages, um, but I found that it was really healing to write it down. And then it, during my chat, like when I was working and I had a career in neuropsych, um, research and I still kept journaling. And then when I had my kids, I still kept journaling and I moved from the cloth covered journals to those black ones with the strap, the moleskines, and just went through oodles of those, but I never really wrote something like I wasn't trying to write a short story. I wasn't trying to write a novel. I wasn't even trying to write a memoir. I was just, just recording my life. And then when my kids started like getting um, older and they were about to go off to college, I realized that if I was going to write something, I needed probably some guidance to turn all of this stuff into something that someone else might want to read. And I took a class at UCSD and had this great teacher who became my writing coach and who started introducing me to the writing community here in San Diego. And I became part of a couple of different reading critique groups. I started going to writers' conferences. Um, I discovered a narrative nonfiction storytelling organization here in San Diego called So Say We All, and started writing pieces for them that were performance-based pieces. Um, then I became involved with that organization and as a writing coach and a performance coach. And now I sit on the board. And then I also became involved in the San Diego Writers' Festival 
and worked my way from being in the first year, sort of helping with volunteers and organization of the day to becoming the director of operations. And so now I help with programming and everything to do with um, the festival. It's which is an annual festival um, here in San Diego. And through all of that, I, I, all of that community building helped me to feel confident that my story was worth, my stories were worth telling. So um, I've got a bunch of recordings of narrative nonfiction performance pieces, and I wrote my first and second novel. My first novel is coming out on August 2nd, and um, that it came out of that community, um, that feeling of, of having people who have my back and who are honest with me about my work and who help me make it better. So that's my story. I love all of that. And we need to unpack some of these things. So for okay. instance, the, you said what I was picking up on as a theme too, about community, that so many of the pieces that you were talking about was stemming from or inspired by community. And just as it's important to help to your point, like feel like you have a sense of belonging that you, that there's someone else who gets what you're doing. The other side of that community, what I was deducing with what you said also is that you said about sharing, it gives you that mm. space to practice putting yourself out there because a lot of times as writers, you may not necessarily think about that aspect of the business. You might think about the creative part that it takes to get that story out of your head and onto paper. And all of those parts make sense to you in the context of, you know, you have to write, you know, you'll be editing, you will be working with an editor, you know, you want it published. Now you might not know all of those pieces, but you still know that that's a big chunk of what you have to do. And you also need to put it out there and share. So you're showing that this space was so instrumental in all of the journey, not just a piece of the journey. That's absolutely right. And I think, you know, for me, first, the first piece of it was just giving me the support in a read and critique kind of format or in classroom format to, um, to understand the difference between writing for yourself and writing for an audience. And um, that was huge, but, and, 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 and getting feedback and learning how to take feedback, learning how to take constructive comments, um, learning to stop being so self-defeating at the beginning. <laughs> you know, I used to be one of those people who gave 16,000 caveats before I started reading something. I'd be like, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is, and I stopped doing that at some point and just started saying, I welcome your feedback because I realized that's what I was there for. I was, I was there to learn from my audience. What, what am I not, what am I getting across? Well, what am I not getting across? Um, what could be better? What could be different? What doesn't need to be there at all? Um, and I think that as a writer, it's hard sometimes. It's a really, it's a very um, isolating experience being a writer. It's you and your computer or you and your piece of paper, um, or even you and your book that you're reading to kind of inspire you. It's still you and this. And when you, when you want to, to give your work over to someone else, which is what we ultimately do when we publish something is it's no longer ours it's now the readers you have to learn how to do that and you have to learn in in a, in a supportive environment that's for me was critical to um to be able to say you know how do I make this the best it can be and how do I listen to what you're saying and take it on board and not be destroyed <laughs> destroyed by critique but to learn from it 
And um, so that was the big, that was my first big step. And I think the second big thing that I've learned is that no matter where I am in this process, I continue to learn from other people. I continue to learn from the people that are helping me and I learn from the people that I'm helping. So if I am coaching someone on a five page story on beginning, middle, end, and making sure that there's through lines that working with them reinforces for me, the lessons that I need to tell myself. Um, so it's a really, it's, it, it's, you gain so much from being in that community and you, you have the opportunity to give back, which is just, it's what it's all about for me. So I love that. So a couple of things I would love for you to just expound upon a bit more. Were you talking about, you know, so you are, you went from a mindset of saying, okay, this is, I'm going to give you all these caveats and then shifting to, I welcome your feedback. That transition is awesome because that is a scary transition to make. And sometimes you might feel it's easier to do that with some audiences and not other audiences versus saying, it doesn't matter who the audience is. It matters that I asked and I'm trusting to get some feedback. So one of the things I would think I'm hearing is the ability to discern when to utilize the feedback, when to incorporate Mm -hmm. it, when not to, but the other is the courage to even put yourself out there and ask to begin with. So would you talk a little bit more about that transition to help perhaps a writer who might feel uncomfortable or feel inconsistent with putting themselves out and asking how to get, how to ask for that and how to make that transition feel safe for their own community? Yeah, it's, it's, um, so it took me a while to get there and I actually wrote a little blog post about it. Um, and why we do it. Cause I think authors tend to be, or writers tend to be very self-critical. Um, we often, before we give someone something to read, even if it's a book that's published, we might say, Oh, you know, you may not like, or this may like, but, you know, we were, we're, it's almost a, I, I viewed it as almost a self-protective mechanism. If I criticize it first, then it won't hurt so bad if you criticize it. Um, and but I, 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 I try, I'm trying and still trying to, if that, if I have that little thing to say, I welcome your feedback. It's, it, it's almost like a refrain. So I cannot say the other things that I'm tempted to say, because I'm supposed to say, I welcome your feedback. So now a, a bunch of people I know in my writing community use the same tool. We just, before we start, we just say, I welcome your feedback and we start because you do have to welcome it. You do have to get in that mindset of you are here to help me. And therefore I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And I'm going to weigh it in my mind as the writer. Sometimes I'm going to take that advice. Sometimes I know what I'm trying to do. And once you get to a certain point, you, that helps to build that confidence of knowing when to say, I welcome that. Thank you so much, but that's not the direction I want to go in or one of the things that I've learned is somebody said, um, my writing coach, I think it was that said, her name is Marnie Friedman. She said, if three people or more give you the same criticism, it's definitely worth taking a look. So if just one person, you're not going to please everyone. So if you listen to everyone, if you listen to every beta reader and you try to make every beta reader's desires for your book to come true, you're going to get a mishmash because it's not going to follow any pattern anymore, not your own, you know, certainly. So it's important to know when to say, 
yeah, that's valid. Like you're the fourth person who's told me that my main character is not likable. I better do something to, to fix that. Um, if on the other hand, somebody says, you know, the ending, I really wished that, you know, they had left together and you're thinking, well, that just doesn't work because they wouldn't have done that. I know these characters, they wouldn't have done that. And no one else has said that the characters should leave together, just that one reader, then that's something you don't listen to. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if that's making sense, but it's, it's sort of a finding that balance for yourself, but you won't find it if you don't start by welcoming all the feedback in and, um, and letting it percolate. One of the pieces of advice someone gave me once was let all critique percolate for 24 hours before you put it into place. Like, don't give yourself a little bit of time because we all have that first instinct to, you know, no, you don't get it. You know, somebody says that and you go, they just don't get it. And then you listen and you wait. And then 24 hours later, you're like, oh, hmm, maybe they did get it. And maybe I'm not getting it. And so I think give yourself a little space. I always say, if you get, if, when you get something in writing from someone, a lot of times you'll, if when you're working with a developmental, developmental editor, they might give you pages of feedback, read it, put it aside, give yourself 24 hours, then read it again. And, and, and sort of look for the pieces at the beginning that, that, that makes sense to you and start there. Um, because it can be daunting it, otherwise, if you, if you feel like you have to fix everything as soon as you hear it and as soon as you get it. Um, so those are my two pieces of advice. Welcome oh, the feedback and then take some time and always know it's your, in the end, it's your stuff. And that's, what's going to go out into the world is your stuff. And so you got to be comfortable with what you ultimately decide to put out there. Absolutely. Okay. So, Oh, I love all this. So you're right. I mean, first off, when you're talking about like that feedback and that first response, you want to respond to it versus react to it. By, but, so by putting that distance in there, you're allowing yourself a chance to respond because you're looking at this like, okay, how might I, you know, mm-hmm. work with this? And the other is if you asked for this other person to give you feedback, whomever it is, if it's a critique group, a writing community, an, an editor, a beta reader or whomever, and you trusted them enough to put yourself out there, trust that they are coming from a place of kindness, then even if the delivery may not be there, but the, but their intention is good to, because they want to help because they were willing to read, they were willing to help. And their goal is to serve in that way. So your point about using the saying, I welcome your feedback, what I'm actually hearing the, the bottom line piece of that is gratitude saying, oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you for letting me, thank you for this information. I have more information now than I had before you gave this to me. So thank you for letting me know. And that's something that I would incorporate into mine. Thank you for letting me know because yes. I now have more information. I think that's it a doesn't great... mean it's not judging the information. It's just simply saying, thank you for this new piece that's come in. How do I, to your point, percolate on it, synthesize it, and then respond. And responding might be, thank you. That's not the direction. Thank you. This does help me to strengthen this scene more. So absolutely. So what I, that's what I was taking away from this so much so that it's easy to take make feedback sounds negative versus letting it be neutral. And how can you use that as a gift really? 
And I also think like, you know, I had, um, when I was giving out my ARC with my advanced reader copy for the, the book that I have coming out, um, I had a couple of friends who, who didn't respond at all. They just didn't say anything. And I kept saying to them, like, it's okay. This is, I, wel I, start, I welcome your feedback. And honestly, it's okay if you didn't like part of it. It's okay if you didn't like any of it. It's okay if you if the characters didn't resonate for you. I want to know that so that I can understand where, where things fell apart for you. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, I've been in book clubs for 30 years. And I think there have possibly been one or two books in all of those years that every single person in the book club loved. But most of the time, somebody didn't like something. And that's okay. Like there are books that I don't particularly care for. Um, that doesn't mean that they weren't well-written. It doesn't mean that they weren't, you know, deserving to be out there because readers, there's so many readers out there and everybody is looking for something different. We're, we all have our own life experiences we're bringing to it too. And so sometimes the a book may just set, trigger you in some way that you haven't even recognized yet. So I agree with you. Like, I love that idea of I've got more information after you helped me with this feedback. And now I'm going to think about what to do about that, what to do with that information. And it, it, it's hard to give critique people, you know, when a friend has to say to you, this part felt overwritten to me, that's not easy for them to say either. So at the very least, we should just go, okay, I take that on board. That's what it felt like. I'm going to look for why that might've felt like that to you. If you're the only person who said it, I'm probably not going to change it, but it's worth knowing that that, that that section of the book felt a little forced to someone. And the other side to that too could be, did you find the right person or beta readers? You thought you were in the right genre or right space, but it might, you might start to realize that in the right, if it's in the right genre, it might not come across that way but if it was positioned as another genre, it could come across that way. So that positioning also matters. And so as you were working on your book, what kind of things were you thinking about to help bring out with the feedback that you were getting? How did you incorporate that so that you felt really comfortable with this book that will be out in August? So it's interesting that you brought up genre and the right fit, because um, this is actually something that I'm struggling with a little bit with my book. And I think it's worth talking about um, to let other people know that these things can happen. So my book was originally, I wrote it as women's fiction. I, uh, I intended it for it to be sort of an, like the phrase that I would, that I heard all the time was upmarket women's fiction, which is basically book club fiction. So it's supposed to, you know, make you think. It's supposed to make you give you empathy for others, et cetera, et cetera. Um, live someone else's life for a little while so that you can expand your own horizons about the way you view the world. And so that's what I set out to write. And um, this book has been percolating for 10, eight to 10 years. I can't, don't, time has lost all meaning and since COVID, but but it's been, and I started writing it a long time ago. I put it aside. I put it aside for years actually, and then pulled it back out, got some more feedback on it, got a developmental editor to write me seven pages of things that I needed to change. <laughs> um, 
And then in that, during that process, one of the writers conferences I went to, the keynote speaker said, you want to make sure to get people to turn the page, there needs to be something unresolved at the end of a chapter. It doesn't need to be a cliffhanger per se, but it's good to have a reason for somebody to go, I want to know what happens next. If you, one of the problems I had with my writing was that I was used to writing narrative nonfiction, which is short and it has beginning, middle, end in this five pages to six pages. If you write your chapters that way, beginning, middle, end, there tends to be resolution at the end. So this book had resolution at the end of most of the chapters in the first draft. And so I had to twist that around and I had to say, well, wait a minute, if I just present this information in a different way, what am I leaving unresolved so that the they have to turn the page between chapter one and two, two to three. And so that combination with sort of emphasizing a little bit more of the character development led to this book reading like a thriller. And people said, my, my, my readers in the last few drafts were like, this is not traditional women's fiction. This is more of like a domestic thriller or psychological thriller. Now I had not seen it that way while I was writing it, but when I stepped back from it uh, during that iteration and gave myself that space, I realized it is kind of like a thriller. The problem is, is that I'm sort of in that weird in-between space. So it's a thriller, but it doesn't have all of the th the strong thrill thriller elements that would make it solely a thriller. It's women's fiction because it discusses mental health and it discusses um, family legacy and all kinds of things that are typical for women's fiction, but they're bundled up with this thriller kind of setting and, or plot structure. So it's kind of a mix. And what I'm finding is that if people go into it thinking they're reading a total thriller, they're a little disappointed. If people go into it reading, thinking they're reading only women's fiction, they're also like, hmm, but this book is more like a thriller. So it's it's something to think about when you're positioning your book. Cross genre is, is great because it can pull readers from multiple you know, viewpoints but, or people who'd say, oh, I only like this or I only like that. You might pull one of them in and get them to read it. But it's also presents some trickiness in terms of uh, marketing and where to place it and even stuff like what is what should the color, cover look like? My cover is more of a thriller-esque cover, but they have a novel on it to let you know it's women's fiction. It's not a thriller. So it's kind of this, how do you, how do you, um, how do you package it, I guess is the, is the tricky part. So um, yeah. that's something that I'm learning as I go. But that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that because what I also love about what you've created though, is the fact that it is, a, a, it's a nice blend of two different things that kind of come together because a thriller might be too intense for someone else, or it might not have been appropriate for that story, but it was just enough to keep it moving, to keep the tension, to keep things happening. So there are things that in a thriller would be happening on page where in this case it's happening kind of off the page and we're getting those, that feel. Yes. But what I, what I'm hearing is almost kind of like that mashup. Like if you like this plus this, this it equals yes. this kind of book. And yes. that, those key phrases, those key elements of saying, if you like this book and this book or these things, 
then you might like this book because of that. So you're pulling out the key phrases, the key themes, and that also helps to, to bring in your reader because they might go, Ooh, that looks different. Ooh, that looks cool. So I, I love that you've done this mashup because I personally think that that's a creative thing. And I like books that have that, that blending in particular, because I see people as multidimensional. So I also can see books in that way. I see them in their genres, but I also see the blending. So I, yeah, I love that. Well, I think just being able for me to articulate it has taken me some time because Mm -hmm. it's not something that I, as I said, it's something that I necessarily set out to do, but now that I see that what it is, it's, I find that it helps if I let people know that in advance, then they, they can, they, they go into it with their eyes wide open. Um, and that's, I think really important, um, which is why people like to, when they go out, walk into a bookstore, they, they, they they gravitate to what they know. So you see those labels, thriller, historical fiction, you know what you like, but I think sometimes a good, one of these genre twisters can, can make you think, oh, maybe I do like that. Maybe I, maybe I do like thrillers. I didn't realize that I did. So or conversely, we'll maybe or conversely. I might like women's fiction. I didn't realize that I would because, because I might really get into thrillers more, but this has broadened my perspective that I might try, I'm going to try something different. And then I try something further in that genre because genre. it it's, was different. So I've, yeah, I love what you've created. I think well, that I that's hope so. phenomenal. I hope, I hope people do. And, you know, I do think that, you know, one of the things that I'm learning is I'm, as I'm writing pieces for magazines and things of that sort about the book and about the genres is that fundamentally thrillers are about secrets, lies, trauma, unresolved trauma. Like that's, that's basically what they're about. And and it's the cover up. It's the the fact that people are trying to not face these things. Um, So the idea of going deep into like, you know, the psyche of, of an ordinary person and why do they behave the way they do? Um, and why do the people around them behave the way they do? And how how do how does this person's behavior influence this person's behavior? Um, so that we're all kind of interconnected and twisty, um, which is what I was hoping to to go, you know get at with this book. So anyway, I love that so so much. I think that that is, I think that is so cool. <laughs> Anastasia, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I have enjoyed this so much. Where can people connect with you and where can they get your book? Okay, so um, they can connect with me. My name is a tricky one. So I'm going to hold it up and spell it at the same time. But it's anastasiazadike.com is my website. Um, So it's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A-Z-A-D-E-I-K. No dots or anything, just straight through .com. Um, you can find other things I've written. You can see some videos from the narrative nonfiction performances. Um, my favorite one is called putting the fun in funeral, which suffice to say, if you watch it, you'll understand. Um, and the book blurred fates is coming out on August the 2nd, 2022. It will be available wherever books are sold. So you can get it at your favorite local bookstore support local bookstores. Um, but it's also available at Target and Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the, the big, the big um, outlets as well. So thank you so, so much. Thank Anastasia, you. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. 
I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.